Welcome back to the Tower Hill Podcast with Pat and Mike. On this week's episode, we reflect on the Super Bowl and why you, unlike the Falcons, can't stop playing offense no matter what. Good morning, brother. How are you? Good man. How are you? Good, good. So we're back here in the Tower Hill recording studio. Going to be back. It's snowing outside. It is. Imagine that in February. I know. Finally, finally a little snow in the D.C. metro area. Maybe it it'll like stick. 70 degrees two days ago. Something unbelievable. Yeah, it does not know what it wants to do. So I really like this this new blog post of yours about keeping your offense on the field. And you had two examples from actual sports examples about why it's better to keep your offense on the field. So talk about those. Real, real life examples. So the first one, and Joey, uh, my, my son Joey at some point will, will get embarrassed with me about this, but the first one is about my son. He was, he's, he's a little wrestler he went out into a match defensively and this was the state championships and I could see him not wrestling his best. And I was trying to wrap my head around why was it, what was going on with him? And his coach yelled out, where's your offense? And made me realize, gosh, so often in life, we have to ask ourselves that, right? Where's your offense? Because he went out there with a defensive mentality. He'd actually practiced with this kid before. He'd beaten him in practice, no problem. But he went out a little bit scared of the lights, a little bit of entitlement because he felt like, well, I've beaten this guy before. And then as soon as he got out there and and it got, got a little bit rough, he started to feel a little sorry for himself. He started to lose and he started to get on his heels. I think we see this a lot. So it's not just him, but this happens a lot with folks. The second one, I saw something similar just the week before in the Super Bowl. You can, we can debate this. It's kind of fun. You know, why is it that the Patriots were able to come back in the second half as they did and, and close a gap? Now they're an amazing team, very consistent team. But I think it's as much the Patriots and their excellence as it is Atlanta's sense of entitlement that they had to win the game because of what their output was in the first half. And they became defensive. They actually went into the second half with a defensive mentality, just trying to hold on to their lead. And that's how they lost it, right? This whole idea of staying on offense, that a great offense is a great defense, right? That old paradigm is absolutely true. And so for me, what was really fascinating is I found myself getting kind of fired up about why is it that Atlanta's losing in the way that they are? They they were dominant in the first half. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an entitlement issue. And we talk about entitlement all the time with relation to the younger generation. Gosh, you know, they just feel entitled. You know, the right now it's the millennials who are projecting that on you, your generation, right? Oh, they're just so entitled. Well, no, this is actually something that we all co- that we all deal with mm-hmm. at different times in our life because we feel we put in the work because we feel like we deserve to win. And that whether we realize it or not, puts us in a defensive stance and can be massively detrimental to our ability to win. I think it's interesting. There's the other adage that defense, especially in football, defense wins deep in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you have all these great defenses, the steel curtain, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the defenses that Tom Brady won with early on in his career, won the Super Bowl with. It wasn't, it wasn't high-powered offenses necessarily. It was a really knock them dead defense. But those were defenses that had an attacking 
and no prisoners mentality to them. They were constantly on offense looking to score the ball, even when the snap didn't start in their hands. Yeah. They wanted to take it to the house. So absolutely. Yeah. It's not, obviously you have to have both sides of the ball, right? Right. But it's the question of what stands are you in? Are you on defense on your heels trying to hold on to what you've built offensively or are you on defense leaning forward? Are you trying to get the pick? Are you trying to stir things up? And how long are you spending on defense? By the way, we know in sports, in both of these sports examples, particularly in wrestling, when you're on defense, when you're on the bottom and you're getting pounded on, you're depleting your energy much faster than when you're on offense. It's just, it's a fact, right? So when, because when you're, you're reacting to, you're reacting, other you're trying to get up. There's somebody, you know, on top of you trying to, trying to push you down. There's an enormous amount of energy expended on defense. So by the time you get back around to being on offense, you're depleted. Same thing happens. You see this all the time with just management of, of the game defenses that spend an enormous amount of time on the field in football become depleted. And so we saw that in the, in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady was able to have his way with mm-hmm. Atlanta's defense, even though in, in the first quarter they were absolutely dominant. He couldn't get past them. Right. right. They just spent too much time on the field. I think the stats were 93 plays by New England. It's a lot of plays for a defense to be out on the field. Right. Yeah. You get to about 50 plays and you're 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 sucking wind. So another 43 plays after that. It's a lot of plays. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So so for us, you know, in business, if we think about, you know, where would we prefer to be in terms of building momentum, in terms of moving the ball forward? It's always on offense. If we can be on offense, offense is going to allow when our defense has to take the field, allow our defense to get out of, you know, in wrestling, get out of bottom in football, knock them out in three plays and then get back off the field, keeping them fresh. That's what a defense doesn't want to be out there consecutively for 10, 15, 20 plays. Right. Mm -hmm. And if an offense can do that, they're going to deplete the defense and ultimately win. And so for us in business, you know, how do you apply that? And To me, it's just this, we deal so often with small business owners, right? That, you know, whether, whether agents or other small business owners who get to a point in their career where they say, I just kind of want to coast, right? I feel like I put in my time and we know that's a recipe for disaster. One of my favorite books, Jim Collins, Why the Mighty Fall is really part of this, right? When you start to come out of the phase of growth and get into the phase of let's just try to stabilize, you start to die, right? right? And it is that defensive stance that I really think is, again, part of this entitlement idea that companies get, people get towards a certain point in their career. And then, you know, they, they try to ride out some of that early success and that doesn't always work out too well. You you brought mm-hmm. up a really interesting stat. What was it? Well, yeah, so companies? I saw... Uh, there was an AE article, AEI, American Enterprise Institute article from 2014 that said that 88% of the companies that were on the Fortune 500 in 1955 are either no longer existent or they have merged into another company or they've fallen off the ranks of it. They're still around in their original form, but they've fallen off the ranks of the Fortune 500. It's really interesting. 88% of the companies have been replaced by competition, you know, someone, some new company that didn't even exist. There's no such thing as riding out past success. Right. Exactly. You've always got to be persevering towards that. And yeah, especially in, it's even, it's even true in our personal lives. When you look at sort of the arc of your life, Mm -hmm. there's no point when you can say, I can just 
stop striving to be a good person. Yeah. You know, cause or then stop what learning, cause then what do you become? You know, yeah. it's kind of scary. Yeah. So why would we do that to our businesses? Well, and that's, that's, that's really what I wanted to get into in this blog, in this post. It's really, you know, on a, on a regular basis, you know, we're coaching agents, trying to get them into activity that they need to get into their lives in order to, to stay on offense. Right. And too often we'll interview agents who say, I just don't know what's happened. I used to have this great business. And the common denominator is a lack of innovation. Right? That's what happens with companies is they stop innovating, which is a result of being on offense, right? Right. Um, great offenses, you know, you talk about the, the wartime general, right? Or the coach who makes adjustments at halftime, right? These guys on the fly are constantly making small adjustments in order to move forward. That's not typically happening when you're in defensive stance. That's only happening with a team that has an offense-based mentality. Right. And it's the same with people, right? And I think people just get tired. There's this concept of having put in time that that actually gives us a false line, right, in the sand, a false line to, to push towards, right? When I have this much, I'll be done, right? When I have this much money, when I have this much prestige, when yeah, I have this much- Yeah, you know, much. when I have this much, I'll, I'll move to Florida. When I have this much, I'll feel like I've made it, right? But it's really a feeling. And what you find is that people who are at that stage are not a whole lot happier, as well. It is actually sort of the, it's, it's the fun of the pursuit in the game that keeps people excited. You could almost see in the second half, even though Atlanta was still up, you could see their, their body language change altogether, right? Because they felt like it should have been theirs and they were mourning the loss before the loss actually happened. Right. And you see people at the end of their careers doing the same thing. Right. And I see it with, with kids wrestling and, and you see you see it in all sports and it doesn't matter what age and you see it constantly with agents. So it's really a question of mental toughness to keep pursuing this growth mentality later in your career or to break through to the next level. You have to have this growth mentality. Right. So that kind of brings me up to the the second half of your article was very practically oriented because this can creep up on anybody, this sense of entitlement or this, this tiredness. So what are the ways that you can battle that and you, you can keep yourself on offense? I came up with a few things here just from, from experience, but I think there's the first, every athlete knows, okay, so the first is just change your stance, you know, going from the, your, the, your heels to the balls of your feet, if you will. So, you know, what does that look like in business? You know, being versatile, you know, maybe, maybe it's as simple as a CEO changing the format of a meeting or changing the time frame of a meeting, mm-hmm. right? Okay, this is going to be a 20-minute meeting, standing. That changes the whole thing. Now we're on offense, right? People have to bring a different game to it, right? right? Or here's what I've prepared. I want you all to read this and helping other people incorporate themselves into the play, if you will, of a great meeting because we can just die by meetings, right? You know, maybe it's a different way to start your day out in terms of, you know, lead generation. Who are the people I'm going to call? Why am I going to call them? You know, there's maybe there's a different preparation for the game beforehand, right? Or maybe you need to talk to somebody who's going to keep you accountable early in the day. Those are all just ways to change your stance. Maybe that gets old and tired, right? Maybe you need a new coach. 
Maybe you need a you need to shift teams in order to get the right coach or pay somebody to you know put some money on the table. That's a great way to, to change your stands and mm. say, listen, I'm paying you and I'm gonna show up to this this coaching session with a different mentality altogether. Yeah, maybe you need another Maybe you need a Belichick. And is that intimidating to you? Are you going to show up for that person? Do you respect that person enough to perform for them? So some some ideas in changing the stance. The next thing was this idea of mental toughness. You know, winning is all about perseverance and fortitude. This is really what we're talking about when we talk about mental toughness. And it's it's the little things here, right? So you'll see people who commit to big things. We've talked about this before, how am I staying mentally tough in little things so I can practice being tough in these little things that it's going to, that's going to translate to the big things. So for example, am I, am I willing to deny myself a little sugary snack at three o'clock and instead go for a walk to get some energy, right? Am right. I willing to, to, to actually start my work on time? And not have that extra conversation, not not allow that to keep you know invading my my time that I've already set up for this for this. Like that's actually perseverance, yeah. right? That's actually tough sometimes. Do I get out of bed? You know, the alarm goes off. How many alarms? How many times do I have to hit snooze? It's those little things of mental toughness that allow us to perform better and on the bigger things as well. The bedtime thing is an interesting one because you can get out of bed on time, but if you don't go to bed on time, yeah. There's another one, a little <laughs> yeah. bit of mental toughness at the end of the day. Too. It's tough. It's really tough to like, to shut down, turn off the phone, put down the book, turn off the TV and tell yourself that I know that I need to wake up at this time to accomplish these goals tomorrow. So what time do I need to go to bed? Absolutely. I stick to that. The next thing was just keeping your why out in front. I think people too often limit their why to their own personal success. And it's very limiting, right? So what's interesting about that is people will set this huge, big goal to be at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of, a, of, of an endeavor of what's personal success looks like, but it's their personal success. And so they start to move that line. You'll notice this. Well, I guess if I just get to here, it'll be all right. So keeping the why really big, you know, so why are you doing this? When it's about other people, you don't get to move the line. It's about them. It's about their success. It's about, you know, a, a really, really big ideal for others. And so I think too often, if you start losing in a, in a match or in a duel or whatever it is, you can start to say, well, as long as I don't get my arm broken off and can walk out of here, then, <laughs> then it'll be okay. And you see that shift in people. Well, <laughs> it's not so bad if we lose, at least we made it to the championship, right? Versus, right. hey, I'm going to persevere through. And so the why is very different because you can, you can really start to pity yourself and that allows you to change your standards. So keeping your why out in front of you, I've got it on my desk constantly. That's a huge, huge thing. I've got it, you know, sort of in my life in many ways, just to make sure I know that I'm pursuing this, these big goals. The next one is to coach. If you want to be coachable and you want to, to habitually win, you actually have to coach other people on how to habitually win mm -hmm. as well. And it's hard because you're putting out ideas that you don't want to ever have to eat your words on. Right. So coaching people, you know, and it doesn't have to be in the same industry, right. Or in the same sport, you can coach five-year-olds and start teaching them their standards. And here's, here's what we do when we come out here, here's how we treat other people, this sort of thing. But those transferable standards are massively important for people who want to lead. 
And so coaching, because really what you're talking, what we're talking about is leading yourself past self-pity in many ways. Mm -hmm. And then you, you mentioned it, but this idea of practicing scoring from defense and then finally seeing defense as an opportunity or rather defeat as an opportunity for growth. I had a coach once tell me it's only a bad loss when you don't learn something from it. It's only really a loss when you don't learn something from it. Right. So when you when you allow the loss to become your norm, that yeah. that's an issue. But when you take losses and learn from them, they can actually be massively helpful in, in achieving even bigger goals than you expected initially. It does take some humility to look at your losses and and <laughs> get something good out of them. Yeah. I mean, losing stinks, right? Nobody likes it. Right. So take that energy and put it into growth as well, because you determine what you want to do with that energy. Right. Hopefully they're helpful for you guys. Yeah. And I, I had a thought as we were talking about innovation, innovation is being on offense. And I think a lot of people will look at that word and think, you know, that's not really what my business is called to do mm -hmm. because if I follow this model and this system, it should work out. I'm not a tech company. I don't know, need to be super innovative, but I, I think that innovation is something that every company needs to be doing. And even if it's just very small, incremental, marginal changes, right? So like the football field doesn't change. It's still a hundred yards, touchdown to touchdown, mm -hmm. but there are so many little incremental adjustments and marginal changes that a team needs to make to win that game, right? So even if we are looking at our businesses and saying, I'm just not an innovator, you really have to be if you want to grow sure. because there's always things that will cut into your profitability and there's always a new way that people are communicating. Mm -hmm. So you really got to have that mentality is that it may not be totally changing the model. I mean, I might not be moving the goalposts of how real estate is set up, but I'm going to have to stay really, really open to change because that's how I'm going to to grow this business. Absolutely. And it's real estate and anything else, right? That, that those 12% of companies that are still around all these years later that you mentioned, those are the companies that manage to innovate and, and, and right. redefine themselves and add new product lines and bring in new talent and challenge themselves to, to think beyond, you know, their, their success. Cause they were successful already. They're fortune 500 companies are great. So to not feel complacent, not to feel entitled to be around in, 20 years or 10 years right. or even, you know, exactly. especially 50. So that's the things, the, the sort of rhetorical question that I think we can ask ourselves is how often do I get defensive? Because defensiveness, you know, when somebody asks you, so what kind of innovation you, are you coming up with? If that makes you defensive inherently, then- well, uh, I'm not, I'm not that, coming up with any. Yeah. I uh, mean, uh, I, I, it's, it's always worked for me this way. Yeah. Right. That's okay. Fatal. Now, if you get two more years in the business and you can, you've got it all planned out. Great. God bless you. Who are you? Are you going to pass it on to your kids? Are you going to allow them to innovate? So how often do you get defensive and in what circumstances do you get defensive? That's going to probably show you where you need to shift your stance and get back on offense. Yeah. So you mentioned Pat, a book earlier. Jim Collins. Yeah. Why the Mighty Fall. Why the Mighty Fall. And he's obviously written a series of books. Mm -hmm. Good to Great. Good to Great's another one. And, and very similar topic, just sort of the other side of the coin. So I think that's a, that's a one of, that's going to be our, our book recommendation for Love this it. episode. You could literally read until you're 
your eyes fall out and yeah, you, still, I mean, so you some, still have so much left to read. We've got so many great authors, you know, and, uh, you know, what we should probably do is just post a, a, our, our favorite book list. Yeah. Um, we need to do that. We need to make it something that's, that's on the Tower Hill website. Yep. For sure. Um, uh, because I coming think that soon to Tower Hill, coming soon to the Tower Hill. Um, Nick, our, our engineer over here yes. is, is, uh, is, is right, looking at down, us Nick. like, go. uh, <laughs> gotcha guys. There's the library. I'm on it. All right, brother. Well, thank you for another great conversation. Thanks Mike. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah. It's always good to be here with you. All right, man. All right. Until next time. Bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Tower Hill podcast. Subscribe to our SoundCloud or iTunes for more episodes and visit our website, towerhillrealty.com for blog posts and more information on our company.